0: And at that point when um, you come into the uh, program, you are then given uh, the bylaws for the group that you're joining. So we'll we'll take your profile, we'll present it to groups to look at. We'll also present profiles of groups to you as an individual. So we look for kind of a matchmaking there. Mm -hmm. Um, You come to the group as a guest for the first meeting no matter what. Um, There's always a chance that people are going to be easy to adopt someone. Um, but we always say, well, you're a guest until so you get voted in. And at the end of the first meeting, um, when everybody leaves and goes back to their homes, we do a virtual vote and they get um, ordained as a new member. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like Tinder but for the equipment rental industry. Correct. <laughs> Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk Conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Welcome to another edition of Peer Talk. This is Dan Crowley. I have the unique pleasure of sitting down with Mark Simonson, who is the founder of Rental Journal and Rental Journal Podcast. You'll have an opportunity to hear a little bit about his origin story and how he got started in Australia and now serves a global community. And you'll also get a chance to hear about the origin story of peer executive groups. It was a pleasure doing this podcast with Mark, and I would love for you to listen to it right here.
1: I'm joined by Dan Crowley from peer executive groups. Welcome on the podcast. Hey, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate being
0: here. So, is this your first ARA show? Have you been here for a while? Oh, my goodness. So, my first ARA show was probably 2003. So, I had uh, essentially started to come in 2003 and have been at everyone ever since pretty much. Wow. So, all of them. And so, what's your experiences when you typically come to these conventions? So, um, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, I work with small business owners and they're rental operators. So... Uh, It's just about meeting people as many as I can. I would say the last uh, maybe six years, we've been meeting with more vendors because of the vendor relationships uh, element of our peer executive groups. Mm -hmm. So, but for the most part, we're, you know, just meeting interesting people and uh, sharing our story with them.
1: Yeah. And obviously, yeah, the networking aspect of the RA show is so powerful because so many independents fly in to sort of figure out what the next round of equipment they want to buy one of the innovation connect with other uh independents Absolutely. and lots of stuff learn some some of the national companies potentially one well, well.
0: what what the american Rail association brings to the table is amazing they're able to network um these individual owners and provide with the, uh, to them so much great education and development and so a lot of that takes place at their ara show so mm. that's kind of nice for people to come meet with the vendors, but also have the ability to kind of bring their key employees and have them get developed through some classes and things. It's yeah, great. Yeah, definitely. So maybe for the audience, so who is Dan Crowley and what is peer executive groups? Interesting. So um, I am. I will focus on myself as it relates to peer executive groups. The um, My background is varied, but I will say that I've always facilitated groups of business owners. So I began in car dealerships and collision repair centers where we had networks of independent business owners that would gather and learn from each other. And in 2001, I had a client who was an equipment rental operator in Allentown, PA. And he asked me to put a group together for um, his purpose of learning from peers. And so that's how we ended up attending. So 2001, we had our first meeting, which was 21, 22 years ago. That group is still in existence, surprisingly, shockingly, always a great thing uh, because we use them for referrals. And, um, but I would also say that um, you know we then came in 2003 and that allowed us to expand from there. We eventually partnered with the ARA, so now we are an ARA partner. Uh, we essentially, they offer peer advisory groups on their website through their um, organization and right now we are fulfilling that for them. Oh, very nice. And so, when you say a group, what does that mean? Good point. So, a group is anything from 6 to 10 to 12 owners. Um, They may choose to bring a spouse on. uh, It's an in-person meeting that they'll have together. Um, Usually, there's two per year. Um, one one in the spring, one in the fall, or possibly winter and summer, um, but every six months they get together with these other, other individuals of like-sized companies from around the country. So um, the key being that you cannot be grouped in a group with someone from your own geographic territory. Uh, it is super confidential. Um, they allow these, these owners to share um, best practices with each other and they also benchmark their financials together. So it's been uh, really useful, I think, for the business owners as they grow their business, kind of help to accelerate that. Um, And of course, we're there with our own facilitators and moderators who help shepherd them along the way through the group.
1: And I can imagine when you've got these groups of these different business owners, you can almost try and help those business owners stay accountable for their goals over a period of time as well.
0: That's a great point. We do. We look for commitments to the group, to each other. So at the end of the meeting, we ask for three commitments that they may have identified over the course of a couple days that will help them in their business. So that next time we get together, you can report on how you did on those commitments. Um, And not everybody gets them every time. So uh, we like to say, is it a red, uh, red, yellow, green, green meaning that you achieved your commitment. Mm -hmm. So um, they present that to each other at the onset of the next meeting.
1: And you focus on independence?
0: Yes. Independence only, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, it allows for us to not have any competitive issues. I think when you try to go beyond that, we do have some large regional operations. And when they start to overlap into each addition, each other's regions, we, place you, we may move you to another group. Okay. Um, so that's part of the benefit of having many groups. And is it just in the US at the moment? Um, It is just in the U.S. in that we do not have a Canadian-based group or anywhere else globally. That being said, we do have members from Canada in the uh, groups that are based out of the U.S. But we're more than willing to expand. I think, you know, one of the things we've noticed is there's nothing new under the sun. There's small business owners everywhere that could benefit from peer groups. And is it always in person or is it online? How does it work? So we... What we our current setup is: you have two meetings in person, and then we do midpoint meetings at the three month mark, where, which are more virtual. So those might be a little shorter meetings, like let's say ninety minutes to two hours. Uh, we'll have a set agenda for those virtual meetings, uh, but it's a, kind of a status check on how you're doing on your commitments to each other. Mm. So what what could you interested in, in these groups? So, I've always enjoyed small business coaching and consulting. My issue was that you can only do one at a time. So, as I started to form these peer groups, I was realizing, wow, we're really having a touch with eight to ten owners at a time. Mm -hmm. And it was allowing us to get what we felt were useful tools out to the marketplace so that they could benefit from them and, you know, exponentially grow their business. And so, Um, About midway, maybe 10 years into it, we really started focusing on benchmarks. So we collect financials, we collect non-financial data, um, and then we're able to generate reports back to the groups that show their performance. Um, And, you know, everybody wants to be in the top quartile of performance, so that's kind of made it competitively fun for everybody to participate. Um, But I would say that probably their number one thing would say, the customer would say is, we love the relationships that we form and we love the best practices that we are able to learn from and put into our own companies. Mm. So the moment that you start
1: taking financials, obviously um, confidential information is very, very important. So, mm-hmm. so how does it work? Let's say that I own an independent store. I've got maybe two locations. Yep. I'm based in California. What happens?
0: So the way we onboard someone is you sign a non um an NDA, and at that point when um, you come into the uh, program, you are then given uh, the bylaws for the group that you're joining. So we'll, we'll take your profile. We'll present it to groups to look at. We'll also present profiles of groups to you as an individual. So we look for kind of a matchmaking there. Mm-hmm. Um, you come to the group as a guest for the first meeting, no matter what. Um, there's always a chance that people are going to be easy to adopt someone. Um, but we always say, well, you're a guest until you get voted in. And at the end of the first meeting, um, when everybody leaves and goes back to their homes, we do a virtual vote and they get, um, ordained as a new member. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like Tinder, but for the equipment rental industry. Correct. <laughs> yes. And our, it's funny cause our matchmaking is getting that sophisticated. Um, we don't necessarily have pictures with your profile, but you certainly can tell a lot about a person from their profile.
1: Mm, wow. Okay. And, and so you mentioned that that's, that first group still exists today. Yes. Wow.
0: And so there must be, like, really strong relationships then in that group. So it's interesting you say that. The answer is yes. And I will say that um, over the years we've had things like uh, one group member buying out another group member as they were preparing to exit, right? So if you think about it, um, you know, everybody's at a different stage in business. We either have entrepreneurs in the group or they're in growth mode or they're mature or they're ready for exit. So every person has kind of a label above their head as to which – what their position is, and then those that are exiting, they'll get all, all sorts of support from continuation succession plans to their children and their key employees, or uh, they might convert to an ESOP, which in the United States is a um, uh, where the o- uh, employees own the company, or they might sell to a third party, and we have all sorts of mechanisms to help them do that. Mm. And so you mentioned reports. So after each meeting, is there like a, a
1: report that happens?
0: Yeah, so uh, the report... Um, on the financials, the benchmarking report um, can be as often as monthly, so we look at the rate of change inside of the industry. Um, what is happening in terms of sales growth? We look at one month, three, year, three months, and 12 months. So it is a rolling study of their financials, sales numbers, rental sales. And uh, then we are able to get back and say, hmm, in this region of the country, the growth rate looks like this. In this region of the country, the growth rate looks like this. And you're able to compare, am I keeping up with the Joneses? Are my sales growing at the same rate or at a lesser rate? Mm. And then depending on the type of growth, if you are having accelerating growth, there might be eight to 10 things you can do to you know, support that and make it keep happening. If you're having receding growth, which means you're still not uh, below the zero line, but you're uh, growing at a slower rate, we have a couple of... Um, bullet points that help you kind of address that and then of course when you start into a recession then we also have some help on uh, management steps to help you so we've developed those over time Uh, they're adopted by the groups and they kind of coach each other on it
1: have you ever had a situation where someone within the group is interested in expanding into another
0: state so funny you should mention that um happens all the time what we're finding is that um not only do they expand into other states, but they expand into uh, their fellow members' markets, which can be trouble. So we have really strict rules around that, that there's disclosure to the House, and then the House, which is us, makes decisions around movement of members. But yeah, um, state lines are, have not uh, limited anyone. In fact, the founder, the person who started this whole process, still a member today, he has um, actually just changed, uh, uh, started ownership in a new state interesting yeah
1: wow that's a so you must have like uh, seen so many independents over your time then and almost the variations of growth acquisition all that sort of stuff it must have been an amazing journey to watch these
0: businesses evolve yes I mean it's it's great we have um, over 200 members over 20 groups um, and so You know, over time, you're seeing everything you possibly can see. And generationally, it's great to see children follow their parents and become members. Um, We have a lot of that happening right now. And so, uh, you know, as an old man, I'm seeing all these younger groups pop up. And you got to keep up with with them. Uh, The other thing is they start to trust their key employees to participate in groups. So we have leader groups, which are not owner groups. Um, They are for people who are key individuals inside the business. Um, We are now doing an HR group, which is strictly Directors of Human Resources. And uh, we have a CFO group that's forming this year. And, um, of course, summits that allow people to meet and gather and and discuss. So it's all about sharing best, best practices as long as You're not in a position where you'd be uh, colluding or being in in a competitive situation. Yeah. Well, I was at dinner last night and I was talking to an independent operator uh, based in
1: Texas and he was talking about how he he owns 15 machines. So he's very, very Mm. small at this point in time. And he was trying to figure out like what are the benchmarks that he needs to do to try and figure out the next growth and whatnot and expand the business. And he was saying that he didn't really have anyone to talk to. And I was like, well, by go. the way, nice. <laughs> I might know somebody. So <laughs> I'll definitely connect him with you uh, after the show because that, that's like the, the perfect person to, to fall in because then he becomes a two location store and then he's mentoring the next person. Then he's mentoring sure. mentored by the person that has five locations and, and whatnot.
0: We had uh, a woman stop by the booth today and they um, had yet to have a sale. So they had yet to generate revenue, but yet they had a warehouse full of assets. She was ready to go. She was coming out of event planning and got into the event rental business, and she immediately came to our booth and signed up to be in a peer group. Okay. So that was kind of cool. How did she find out? Did she know about you guys? Um, It's been helpful that the ARA has decided that we are a partner of theirs. So they have uh, done a great job of promoting our services, and, in fact, she, when she walked up to the booth, she said, I was t- told to come see you.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's always
0: a nice thing when, uh, you know, uh, people trust our resources that much that they would make that kind of referral. So we appreciate that. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, the Rental Journal podcast. Obviously, I listen, but I'm always curious about your origin story and, you know, what makes you tick? What are you? What are your plans for this? Because uh, we're very excited about it in the United States. Obviously, you get a ton of listeners from our country so um you know i'd love to know
1: yeah so so basically i i worked in the equipment rental software space for just over 10 years mm-hmm. and i lived in australia and the u.s for a period of time and sort of learned mm-hmm. both markets and and was dealing with the enterprise mid-market and and independence as well that the smaller into scale and that 10 year 11 years went on and then uh covid hit and when covid hit Uh, everyone was locked down. I listened to a lot of podcasts. And so I reached out to a a few of the organizations, like associations and said, are you guys think about doing podcasts? And nobody was really putting Mm -hmm. their hand up. And so I was very nervous about starting a podcast because I was like, I'm not even sure how to start one. So I, uh, I started a company called The Rental Journal, which was written interviews. Got it. And so I would send over certain questions and then I would rewrite them and type up answers and post it on a website just to share mm. learnings for different business operators. And then one day I had a guest, which is episode number one, uh, mm. Paul Weaver from, from Macinex, and, and he he was more interested in telling me his story over over Zoom and then me rewrite it. And 10 minutes into the Zoom call, I was like, Wait a second! This is a podcast. Like I was recording a podcast without. <laughs> oh, that's great! Ready. And so we recorded that first one. Uh, it was only fifteen minutes long. Mm-hmm. It was uh, wasn't um, prepared very well. Like we were really winging it. Sure. Still came out okay. And then from that moment onwards, I was like, all right, I either continue doing this uh, or I go back to the written format. And I thought, no, you know what? I don't want to go all in here and, and try and figure it out. So we're doing Zoom interviews for a period of time. Wanted to increase the quality. Uh, and try and reach more people. Mm-hmm. So we started doing in-person video podcasts. We've got the cameras now, uh, and now we're doing things overseas. So we've done podcasts in Australia. We've done podcasts in Europe, in America, mm. uh, all over Australia, really. And uh, our, our reach is probably 40% uh, is in the U.S. now yeah which is is quite amazing that's amazing um but 120 as of today 125 episodes we've we've put
0: out that's amazing i i find like it's so well-rounded i did not contemplate that you know the industry had so many pieces to it Mm. and it's like almost like you've uncovered all of them so if you go on your podcast you can kind of see that you've got manufacturers in there you've got distributors in there you've got Um, service and innovators um, technology and then of course you have rental operators too so it's kind of like you're touching all the right bases for us so that's probably why you've got so many listeners
1: yeah and i I really try and make sure that we don't just uh do the podcast with business owners or executives Mm -hmm. like we'll do podcasts with service managers or fleet managers or uh, um, branch managers or whatever it might be to get that different perspective yeah and and really try and find people that have gone through the journey mm-hmm. of an experience uh, of owning uh, or working in a rental business to maybe becoming a, an, an owner of their own business because then they can actually talk about their experiences on how they grew their business and mm-hmm. I think those sorts of insights are really important but also getting insights from technology companies and the
0: OEMs and all that sort of stuff to to overlay with it as well and yeah. I never thought about the personal journey element and that certainly if you're bringing in people who are non-owners, you're not just getting the entrepreneurial ownership view, you're seeing it from key employee perspective and that may have to do with what motivates them, right? Mm -hmm. So that's great. But like, so what's next for you? Where do you see... Uh, the future of both rental industry and also your business, because obviously you're well positioned.
1: Yeah, so the the Rental Journal podcast has really become its own business, and I've been doing it full time for over a year now. The business has mm. been around for two years. Uh, I'm going to continue pushing content out as much as possible. We try and put content out every single week, which is challenging. When wow, it's when that's it's a in, lot. When it's in person, that's it's yes. quite challenging. So we've got a bit of a backlog that we work off. But interviewing. 125 people over that period of time, and then working in the equipment rental software space, it was pretty clear that there was a bit of a gap when it mm. came to, I guess, a, a modern technology stack for a software business. Sure. And, uh, the, I guess the analogy that I've heard from several business owners is it's almost like moving the deck chairs around when you're changing software. Mm-hmm. I had someone on the podcast just yesterday that, uh, has implemented three different rental softwares over five years. Oh my goodness. Wow. What, a, what an exhausting process that is. Different reasons. Functionality wasn't there, outgrew it, mm-hmm. uh, didn't have the right support structure in place, wasn't getting the service, uh, now not uh, honoring what they were saying in terms of the technology roadmap and stuff like that. So hmm. I think a lot of the current providers in this space um, – mean well and they've got a lot of history over 25 years but i think a lot of them were built on an older uh, technology stack yeah and it's very hard for them to rewrite gotcha. so me having a, a technical background and having this massive network i started reaching out to some of the guests on the podcast saying hey if i was to to build my own rental software what what would you think and i was getting like lots of positive feedback saying mm. The industry needs this, but it needs to be something global. It can't just be in Australia. So gotcha. I, uh, I reached out to various people um, of uh, within the industry and decided I needed a co-founder. I found somebody that was in the technology space that is very, very uh, technical, but also has a, a brief amount of rental experience as well. Mm. And so we're building for a year. Uh, So we're spending our our own money, uh, just building software, taking my knowledge and whatnot. But the critical part to this was that we weren't building what we thought we needed to build. We went out and found pilot customers uh, that were looking for new rental software and taking them on the journey of what we were building as well. So every single thing that we were building was coming from the rental industry. Wow, excellent. Which is like the most important thing. You don't want someone in the technology space to build what they think they need. You want the rental market to actually say what the rental market needs right now. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing that for a year now. And that was really for us to test the waters to see how far we could get. And we were quite amazed on on the progress that we're getting in our our pilot customers were providing amazing feedback on what we're doing and they were basically begging us to try and get live as fast as possible. Wow. But we can't go live with just me and my co-founder. We really need to have some uh, serious financial backing. Gotcha. So, went back to our podcast listeners again and found some serious uh, rental operators that um, are interested in investing and we brought in uh, six investors, uh, five of which uh, rental, uh, a rental associated. Some have exited Amazing. already, and in one technology. And so we've brought in uh, a large amount of money to to back us as an investment, and that's going to then lay the path for the next six to twelve months for us to actually bring the the next generation of equipment rental software that's going to be one hundred percent cloud based. Uh, things like mobile applications and things like that will just be standard, inbuilt reporting or whatnot, and most importantly, it's very easy to implement. Hmm. It's a uh, One of the big challenges that I have with the current market is that you have to talk to a salesperson, you have to go through the demo process, uh, you have to agree to a a large contract, you have to pay for an implementation process, uh, you have to commit to a, a contract for your support and maintenance and whatnot, you have to pay for modifications. If you look at any other cloud software in any other industry, you go to the website, you sign up, you do a subscription, and you have the option to implement yourself or someone else can do it, mm-hmm. and you can sort of partner with them. Gotcha. So one of the, the major goals that we have is that we want to make it that independence in particular, have the opportunity to actually use our software without even talking to us if we want wow. to. Uh, and that that all comes down to building software that is very, very simple to build but has the ability to be configurable to run multi-locations and all that sort of stuff. And wow. the way that I've Dynamite. really thought about it is we want to empower independent operators to compete with the national organizations without spending the millions of dollars in budget that they spend hmm. at the moment because when you look at like when i look at uh, like even at the ARA show united rentals was here talking about the technology roadmap and what they're doing and that's amazing like they're sharing insights and providing it but that doesn't help the independents very much sure because they've got millions and millions of dollars that they're pouring they've got probably over 20 people that work in their it department so all that innovation that they're talking about sounds amazing But it doesn't actually – it's almost like a pipe dream Mm. for these smaller independents. And so we want to give back to those independents and provide them a platform uh, that's going to be robust enough to run their business but then not give them the price tag of spending like a large percentage of their profits to try and just to compete with the larger
0: guys. Wow, excellent. That sounds great. And I'm sure you're looking at everything uh, we're finding in our network Uh, the businesses that are growing exponentially in the peer group network are starting to change their view of their organization from order takers to sales organizations. So that being said, are you guys considering that into your software? Is there going to be a CRM element to it and and, uh, turning turning it around sort of, you're going to process still the rental process, but you're still going to be looking at maybe more robust systems on the front end?
1: Yeah, so we... We like to divvy it up into what we call four pillars. And so it's sales, rental, service, and parts. Oh, nice. And Mm so being able to track customers and sites and contacts, have history against them, but have a tightly integrated customer module that can Mm. then do sales orders or rental quotes or service quotes or whatever it is that the person needs to do and then have those different pillars. So when you're managing your work orders or you're creating uh, your sales order for your parts or you're allocating parts to a, a work order, rental contracts, quotes, all that. Like I, I've got over a decade of building rental software through one of the big organizations and I understand how mm. these companies work. So it's taking that that decade of knowledge with my rental experience and building this into into the actual software itself wow. and making sure that this is a, a global system. It isn't mm-hmm. just going to have an Australian accent. This is not going to be an Australian software system this is going to be something that will be pushed around the world and
0: making that answers sure, my next question yeah make <laughs> yeah
1: making sure that like and that's one of the key things one of our investors is from america oh excellent wanting to make sure that we aren't putting ourselves in a box uh and making sure that this is actually a global layout that we're
0: that we're pushing forward And we've seen that we've seen um, software developed from Australia that's being used in the United States in the automotive side. Um, We've seen it in with regard to most a lot of management systems, management consulting systems that Mm. come across from Australia. So, by all means, if it's globally focused, then that's a good thing for you guys. What about on the back end? Are you going to be looking at reporting and business intelligence? Yeah. So I
1: don't want to get too technical, but sorry. uh, (laughs) No, no. So this is this is a great area. So. So just for the listeners, um, I want to try and explain why they're faced with challenges with some of their current providers. That sounds good. So so let's just break it down simply. There's, there's three layers to technology. There's a database, which is where you store all your information. Uh, and then you've got the front end, which is where you click buttons to actually do things. Most of the technology stacks at the moment from uh, the current providers are on that what we call two-tier Architecture. Okay. And what that means is like the database is a big spider web of functionality. Mm -hmm. And if you change something on the right side of the software, it breaks on the left side of the software. So there's a lot of maintenance to actually get things changed. And what that means is that when you ask for new functionality, two things happen. It's complicated, so it's expensive, and it takes a long time to deliver. I can almost guarantee there's someone listening to this podcast that understands and feels that pain, mm-hmm. where they ask for something and it takes six months to receive that change an update or whatever it is. And they receive it and it's broken. Got yeah? it. Okay. And they've already paid $20,000 or whatever it is for that change as well. So modern technology stacks have what we call three-tier architecture. So you've got a database, which is everything, and they have this middle layer, which is called an API or a web service. Which is where you can connect the dots from the spider web to the front end.
0: Got it. Okay. Which
1: means that it's much easier to to build functionality out as you need to, and it's very modular. What that means is the functionality that we build on the front end uh, can be built in literally days. That speed. The data that we have, we can build out reports very, very easily because it's it's modular and it's per it, it's it's not divided up into that big spider web <laughs> per se. So we're We've been very focused on uh, figuring out how we are going to design the system Mm -hmm. to make it easy to implement, low cost, robust functionality and high touch support so we can actually work through uh, with the people that are uh, in there. And like the reason why I want to do this is like working in this industry for such a long time, even though it's only 12, 12 or 13 years now. Like I, I've seen businesses try and scale and they can't because they don't have the right technology in place. And I I truly want to make a difference and give back to the industry mm. that gave me a career. Without the industry, I wouldn't be here mm-hmm. right now work, mm-hmm. working here. Um, and so this isn't just a place of me trying to – build something and flip it. Yeah. This is me actually wanting to make a difference. Wow, and, that's
0: a, excellent. And if you talk to, right to your
1: passion. Yeah, exactly. And if you talk to any one of our pilot customers or anyone that has worked with me will understand mm-hmm. that like I I
0: live through this process. The fact that I travel overseas
1: to do these video podcasts is probably yeah. a testament to itself.
0: Sure. It's so. amazing. Well I mean we can see it. I mean obviously in the United States we're committed to the podcast and we're seeing where you're going with things. So we believe in the vision. It's gonna be fun to see you develop this. Yeah, so look, we're probably aiming to start releasing functionality
1: uh, third quarter this year, maybe fourth quarter, Wow. Uh, but we are taking on some pilot customers uh, along that way. This will be a separate business to the Rental Journal podcast. I don't mm-hmm. want to dilute things. Sure. I, I want to keep that podcast. I've got a team that manages that and keep that pushing and and not have any, I guess, influence over the podcast for the software as well. I don't want people to see that it's almost like... an. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah. So interview businesses, software, technology, OEMs, all that sort of stuff. And the new business is going to be called
0: Latna Software. Latna. Got it. Okay. That was going to be my third question. So I appreciate that. That's excellent. And so um, we'd love to have you visit one of our peer group conferences. So we do a thing called Meeting of the Minds. Um, Usually it's every two years uh, because every individual, uh, every other year we do event rental and then general tools. So um, love to see you come out and maybe present to our customers at the net, at the network, at the meeting. It'd be great. Yeah, I
1: think so. And I think part of the, the reason why people that we speak to about our software is obviously we're building the next generation, but we can talk to their pain points. Like it's almost like they think that we've been sitting in their office. Yeah. Nice. Like, like, because I've experienced it through the podcast for the last two years of people sure. like almost venting saying, mm-hmm. I wish we had this. This is the challenge we have. Um, And then I've experienced actually working in that area to see how things are built. So I'm really, really excited to try and build that next generation and build our team over the next couple of years to really become a global uh, business. And my goal in in two years is to actually live in in America uh, and grow that as well.
0: Awesome. Well, the Peer Group Network is looking forward to watching you over the next one year, three year, five year. Um, and by all means, feel free to get more integrated with our group of individuals um, as we continue to expand. That'd be great. Yeah,
1: awesome. Well, look, I thank you very much for coming on the podcast and sharing stories back and forwards. And yeah. look forward to catching up, hopefully, in the U.S. sometime soon.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it's been great being here. Thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate the time. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.